Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 87 of the Utah Royals FC show. Uh, we have a really, really exciting episode uh, this week. Um, so much has happened. Um, so what you'll hear in this uh, this week's show is in the latter half, um, we have about an hour-long interview with Michelle Maimon. Um, Mish was super fun to talk to, just a really warm um, and engaging person, opened up a ton about what it was like to be a first-year rookie, you know, especially playing us alongside legends um, like we have in Kelly O'Hara and um, Rachel Corsi, people like that. Um, so stick around for that. But um, about two hours ago at the time of recording, Utah Royals FC broke the news that they have ha- hired a new head coach of the team. Um, and it's not really who we initially had thought. Um, you've probably seen it online. Um, but I'm joined today by Cindy, and we're going to discuss that. So, Cindy, how are you? I am good. I'm glad it's Friday. I'm glad the search is over. I'm glad we can move on. <laughs> how are <Yeah>. you? <laughs> I'm good. Um, yeah. You know, I think we were both just chatting with that we have some work work to do over the weekend, and that's a little not fun. But, um, yeah, I think I agree with that sentiment of it's nice It's nice to know. Um so in case this is your first time hearing, Craig Harrington was announced as the head coach of Utah Royals. Um, Craig's a guy who's been an assistant at Chicago Red Stars the last um, last two seasons. Um, but Cindy, what's your reaction to this hiring? Yeah, I think obviously when you, I mean, who pays attention in this day? And when you hear head coaching, you you automatically just think about head coaches. That's who you're going to focus on. And that's the focus on when you think about other teams. You really rarely think about the head coaches. I think, obviously, if you cover the club, if you're familiar with a soccer club, like we we are with Utah Royals FC, where, you know, we pay a little bit more attention to the assistants. So um, I initially had no idea who Craig was um, until I – Looked, looked looked him up, did some research, read what people said, and um, yeah, I think I think over I think in the end he's 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 the best that was out there. Um, from what I heard, he was the last coach to be interviewed um, for the head coaching job. So clearly, something he said really just impressed the club and um, and just his resume with Chicago Red Stars, a huge part of a very successful club the past two seasons. Uh, Chicago has been in the playoffs, especially the past two seasons. They definitely leveled up their game a little bit more, uh, leveled up, raised up. Sorry, my bad. And uh, yeah, he's he's been huge on the assistant side of things with Chicago Red Stars. So um, I'm not surprised that it was somebody in the league I think that's good I think you want to bring in you want to continue developing the league you want to continue to uh you know in a way promote the assistant head coaches and I'm like if it's not Scott it's got to be somebody from it's got to be an assistant either from Portland Chicago or North Carolina and so yeah I think I think it's a good hire he's well-liked by players, by coaches, by the staff. Um, he seems like a very likable head coach, and that's important because then you end up with a situation like Reign FC. I'm sorry, the 
Olympic Lyon Reign FC, whatever they're <laughs> called now. But you know, it's you want a coach that you can talk well about and not really be like, "Ooh, what are you guys doing?" Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, what what do you think? Yeah, I I mean, I was excited about the prospect of Scott Parkinson, um, who has you know certainly. A, a different resume from um, Harrington, but not, not too dissimilar in some ways. Like he's coached at the college level, been an assistant in the last two years. Um, but I just, every interaction I've had with Scott has been just super positive, really warm, personal guy. Um, but also seems um, to connect really well with the players. Um, so I think my first sense is one of disappointment. Um, but then you know, you want to give um, Craig a fair shake. Like he is, he he doesn't deserve to be painted in the light of disappointment. Like um, he's done well at Chicago. Um, kind of like you said, he seems really well liked by um, everyone in Chicago from staff, players, um, fans, et cetera. Like that, that is really important. Um and I like that he has kind of um it seems like he has a good fight to his mindset. Um I think he wants to win and I know every coach does, but um, you know, I I think he brings a good attitude and it's really I know I say this a lot, gonna be kind of a wait and see thing. It's mm-hmm. Utah's always been a team that has had a really strong roster and can perform really well, but never quite lived up to their potential. Um and so I'm curious if he can maximize on the potential of this roster, if he's a guy who can sort of unlock that. Um, you know, when we saw, you know, the Royals really got it together in like, I don't know, the third quarter of the season maybe and really performed excellently. And then they kind of fell apart in the last little bit. Um just curious to see if he's someone who can get that consistency out of this team. Yeah, so that that definitely would explain why, you know, they hired someone who um, can hopefully bring that. Like you said, there was a lot of of that must-win mentality, but it just wasn't done properly. Um, I think the more you look back on it and just some comments that were made, like in the press conference about – You know, they definitely want to shift the focus to being more on the developmental side of things where that hasn't been there in the past, like the past two years, because the mentality has been win-win. And, you know, you can have Deloy Hansen said it was because of Laura and then Harvey can say it was because the owners wanted to just win. And so her focus had to shift a little bit. So um, it seems like there's a shift in focus now with that. So. Um, it seems like it was something that Craig really wanted to get like that. That's what's some, something that he wanted to get done. And you've known RSO. It seems like they are a club that likes to develop their players. Um, yeah. I mean, the RSL side to me, that makes sense because they've had an Academy for over 10 years for the last five or six years. Has it been that long? They've had um, a second a second division team in uh, Real Monarchs. Now I know there's some developmental academy for the Royals and there's also um, 
Utah Rails reserves, but man, that infrastructure does not match what we see on the men's side, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, I think it was a little surprised it the way um, Hanson framed up, um, yeah, Laura not wanting to develop because you know we saw um, some real success with young players this past season. Some of it was out of necessity, obviously with um, you know. Uh, you had Beckham Morris injured. You had um, Kelly O'Hara, Kelly O'Hara, either gone or injured, um, and that really gave um, Michelle Maimon uh, a chance to shine, and that is a huge positive. And you know, then we saw um, Gabby Vincent come in and earn a spot, and that is a big positive. So, usually, I feel like in soccer and probably most sports, like you have to kind of displace some someone to break into a team some way or another in a common way that is, is either injury or being away for international duty and a new player gets a chance and they shine. And I know people have been really hard on Laura because um, of the use of the draft, but um, to bring in Kristen press, like that's probably the right call. Yeah, for sure. So and that it's definitely a he said, she said, they did, they wanted this, she wanted this kind of situation. And we probably may never know, but um, I could also see the perspective of you're a new club and you want to, you know, you have the best facilities. You're like, you didn't start from the bottom. Like you're not playing in a 2000 seat stadium. You're like a big time club. Um you know, with facilities and, and everything that comes with it. And I think there was a lot of pressure for Laura Harvey to do that. And so, you know, she didn't get her chance to develop those players. But, yeah, I, I think I think she's gotten a lot of negativity from that perspective. But then she goes and works for U.S. soccer with the whole under, you know, I think U-20 team, if I remember correctly. So I don't know. It's weird. Either way, I don't think it's very. I don't think it's very professional to throw your former head coach under the bus. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you can phrase that up of like he was talking about um, Craig in a positive way. You can do that and be like, he's really great at um, managing players as well as developing young players, and we really value that. And you don't. You can do that without speaking like. Yeah, speaking ill of someone, essentially. Exactly. So, and and I think we've both agreed this in past shows where it's like, okay, well, obviously, Kelly O'Hara, Kristen Press, Becky Sauerbrunn, Vero Voquette, they're not going to play forever. Eventually, there has to be this shift of like, okay, you need to develop your young players. You need to focus on those players out of college or those trying out for your team. And we've seen that, like you said, with Gabby Vincent and even a good drafty like Michelle Maimon, like, you know, there, there's a reason why North Carolina is, has been really good and competitive the past few years is because they've been able to develop those young players and they don't have a, they don't have a youth system. They don't have an academy. Same with Chicago Red Stars. They don't have that. They don't have um, that youth developmental system. It was within the club. It was the culture that was made. And, you know, Utah needs that. I think, you can bring in a thousand superstars, but you know that's going to last you what a couple of years, and then you have to start over. So, yeah. um, 
Yeah. But in, yeah, in the end, I think it's a good hire. I he seems like a very likable uh, coach, um, which is really cool. Um, and you were at the press conference, so um, what what were your just like your reactions and just like your point of view or just like you know what I mean? Like what was I don't know. It's it's Friday. It's been a long yeah. week. I mean, I mean, what was your impression? That's what I meant to say. What's... My first impression is he is so tall and so skinny, <laughs> 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 which is like literally the first thing I thought. But it was good. Like he said all the right things. And um, that I like, I think that's important. It also doesn't mean that much, but it's, it's good to hear those things. He, you know, he called the Royals a super club with, you know, their staff players facility Um he said he wants to be more attack minded and that's just kind of like his identity as a coach um, wants to retain possession, things like that. Um, and those are all like, you know, I think things most coaches, new coaches like could and should say, but it's also important I think to say them at some level. Um, yeah. He seems like a sharp guy. He seems like a pretty, um, warm personality I, I didn't really get a chance to connect with him i was trying to talk to stephanie lee um the general manager um but yeah you know it seems like a good move um i think as far as outside hires go this seems to be one that could work out really well for sure so wait and see yeah yep exactly wise mm-hmm. words um, yeah, and kind of just the last thing, and I mentioned it earlier, but um, yeah, Scott Parkinson, who you know was an assistant and then the interim head coach, has left uh, the Royals. I asked um, uh, Stephanie Lee, the general manager, about it, um, and she had a lot of positives to say. Is you know she was very spoke very highly of Scott, but essentially that he um, decided to step away from from Utah. Um, his wife, who used to work for um, the club, recently took a job after working in the mayor's office um, at the Obama Foundation in Chicago, which seems like an incredible career opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of wonder if he's going to end up there. Like, we know that they have a co- coaching vacancy, but like, mm-hmm. no idea. Um, no idea where that will lead. Yeah. I mean, same. I think that's just you know, the guess, the hypothetical is like, well, kind of maybe just was like a trade and he probably could have stayed with Utah. Um, You know, you still kind of want your kind of coaches because, you know, Craig is coming into a new environment. You do your head coach, you know, your assistant coaches. I mean, I believe the head keep the head keeper coaches believe staying Jason. What's his last name? Doug. Mm-hmm. who just followed me on Twitter, by the way. Anyway, um, <laughs> you kind of want want to have some familiarity and your assistant coaches could do that. And Oh, yeah. And, Sorry, and you, my, uh, the current Royals head coach, uh, assistant. Yeah. yeah, Jason Batty, Amy LaPelpa, and there's a new guy, and I can't remember his name. Um, but, yeah, Jason's the goalkeeping coach. Um mm-hmm. I think he's from New Zealand. Mm, he is actually. Yes. Yes. So, you know, it was probably for Scott, it was remain, you know, get the head coaching position. If not, 
you, you want to be close to your wife. You know, it's, it's probably would not be easy to, you know, have a distance marriage. I know a lot of professionals do it and, and that's just part of the job, but I think yeah. we'd want to be close to, um, whom, whom you're married to. So yeah, I think we were all pulling for Scott just because he's an incredible player. I mean, sorry, head coach person. Um, I mean, just the things he's done, you know, um, for people like Ryan Kelly, who is, um, mm. you know, who is battling like who battled meningitis and then is recovering from that and organized, you know, the team to assign a jersey for him and took it to him and, you know, reaching out to people like uh, some of our staff who, you know, deals with hard things and just the encouragement he got from them. He's very well liked and he's he's a very he's also very popular with the players. So him ending up in Chicago um, would be really good too because, I don't know, in the way it's kind of win-win, but yeah, I think we were all pulling for Scott just because of that connection and, and how he's just embraced um, the community. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, anything else to add before we wrap this up? Hmm, I am. Let's just get the season started, man. Let's I go. Know. I know we need that. We need that schedule to drop. Yeah, which it'll probably come like April first or something, or like oh April tenth. Don't say that. It's <laughs> <laughs> so stressful. I know. I always get so frustrated with NWSL because MLS has their schedule like months in advance, and you're like, "Well, I guess NWSL starts soon, right?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. When the MLS schedule dropped, I was like is this right? It's too far in advance. And then I was like, oh, wait, I'm just thinking about the NWSL schedule that usually comes out like, you know, what, two months before, like for like March, maybe late February usually? It's usually a month before That's insane. season, which gives us so much planning to do. I mean, as far as like, you know, if you want to go to a game, if you want to do that. I know. If you want to travel for games, which I would really like to do, um, it's nice to plan ahead of time. Exactly. I really want to make it to Portland this year, but we'll see. Yeah, I I usually do the RSL trip. I need to make it a uh, Royals trip as well. Should, should you've never been to a Portland game, have you? Like the PD, the Thorns? Um, no. Oh. I have seen the Timbers a bunch of times. Timbers two once mm-hmm. under Mike Petke's only uh, Real Monarchs game. <laughs> uh, but never, yeah, never a Thorns game. Mm. So. Cool. Well, um, I guess we'll leave it there. But yeah, Craig Harrington is the new head coach of Utah Royals FC. Um, stick around. We have the interview for, from uh, interview with Michelle Maimon coming up next. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number 87 of the Utah Royals FC show. I'm joined today by co-host Megan. Megan, how are you? I'm doing great. How about you? So good. And we are... Joined by a very special guest, Michelle Mish Maimon. Mish, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Excellent. We're doing great. Really glad to have you on the show this week. Another exciting guest as we get ready for the season to gear up. Yes, thanks for having me. Yeah, so we were chatting a little bit before we started recording. Um, Everywhere you are listed as Michelle Maimon, but everyone I've heard refer to you on the team or on staff calls you Mish. Can you go into that story for our listeners? 
Yes. Um, so back at Pepperdine, I had some nicknames and some people call me Mish. Um, and my family also kind of refers to me as Shelly sometimes. So it was my first day in Utah and I went to go train with Erica and Alex. And when I met her, she was like, do you have any nicknames? Because Michelle is pretty long to say. And so I gave her the list and Mish was the one that was chosen. So then anytime I was introduced to anyone on the team or the coaches or just anyone in general, um, I was referred to as Mish and it just stuck. So that's, that's my new name. (laughs) That's awesome. That sounds like Erica. Um, (laughs) But Mish, I would imagine is much easier to say when you're on the field and need to communicate quickly. Yes, it definitely is. I'm I'm glad it helps. <laughs> yeah. So, um, what have you been up to this off season? Um, yeah. What's this? You know, this what five month stretch of of no no games? What's that been like for you? Yeah this this has been the longest amount of time that I have gone without playing really in like a high level competitive game because. Um, prior to coming to Utah, I was back in school and just a few months you know, before getting drafted, I was playing in my, in my season. And then I had like a month before going to Utah. So I had been playing soccer all leading up to then. And so this off season has been the most amount of time where I've just been home and doing training on my own. Um, and it's been great. I've actually been really cherishing this time just to spend with my family and my friends here. Um, I'm really close with my family. So it's been great to have some extended amount of time here. And yeah, we, we have a fitness packet. And um, so I follow that and do some technical work. And I've been training some kids and working with a speed coach. And so yeah, it's been it's been really good. And it's the longest amount of time that I've actually been here at home since high school. So kind of an adjustment, but yeah. it was it was it's been a really big blessing. So yeah, that's awesome. Um, so one of the things we really love to ask people on this show is um, about their soccer story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would just love to hear um, kind of your soccer story, um, playing growing up, what it was like for you to play in college. When did, you, when did you decide that maybe being a full-time professional was a real possibility that you wanted to pursue? So if you could just speak to that, that'd be great. Yeah. Um it's really hard to condense my whole soccer journey just because it's been a roller coaster, really. Uh, but really where it all starts was back, honestly, before I could walk. I am the youngest of three, and I have an older brother and an older sister, and they both played soccer. So before I can even remember, I mean, I was being taken to all of their soccer games and their practices. And I have this picture actually that my mom took of me before I could walk, just laying in a pile of soccer balls. So that (laughs) paints a good picture of just, you know, the time that soccer came into my life as it's really been in my life for forever. Um, Um, Just an aside, I feel like if you, if you have not posted that to social media, you (laughs) absolutely should. I should. Yeah, I, we definitely I all need to see that. That is some that needs to be public information. Okay, <laughs> I will. I will make sure to post that. Um, but yeah, so I I ended up actually being really the only one of my siblings that ended up sticking with it and playing 
club. Um, both of my siblings actually were great soccer players, but they both had separate passions that they wanted to pursue. And my passion, one of my passions ended up being soccer. And so played high level competitive soccer um, for years. And I, this is kind of where the roller coaster, I guess, begins. But my freshman year of high school, I felt like that was the first year and the beginning of really a bunch of doors opening up for me with soccer. I had been called into my first youth national team camp. Um, I had been involved with ODP and being on the regional team. And then that's kind of how I got seen for the national team. And so my freshman year was a huge year with that. So I, I got called into a camp and then I ended up getting called back was told actually, so I I was a forward my whole life. I'm not sure if people actually know that, (laughs) but I was a forward until my sophomore year of college. Um, But anyways, I I actually was told, that was the first time I was told, really, I wasn't good enough as a forward and I was too short, (laughs) they said. Mm -hmm. So, but but Jill Ellis was actually the coach at the time. She said, but I really love you and we want you here on this team and in this program developing. So we want to play you an outside back. And so I actually had about a week of, of experience playing outside back my freshman year of high school. Um, so, so then fast forward to my, to the summer of my, of going into my sophomore year, I ended up going to the Pepperdine ID camp, um, fell in love with the coaching staff, the players I had met there, just their philosophy as a program. Um, it lined up perfectly with with what I wanted out of my college experience. Um, and so, yeah, was that's really was my introduction to Pepperdine. And I ended up meeting with a few schools. Um, one in particular had been my dream school since I was a little girl. And I'll never forget um, sitting down with the coach and talking about how they wanted me and and at the time I was just like so taken aback because it had been my dream to play at this school um for a while but I ended up choosing Pepperdine because like I said I just fell in love with the program and um and what I had seen from my time there at the camp so I ended up committing to Pepperdine my I think it was I think it was like September of my sophomore year of high school. And then fast forward, just a few months later, I'm playing in my last high school game of the season. My bags are packed to head out with um, the ODP regional team to go to Costa Rica. That literally the next day, um, I wasn't going to play in the game actually, but I ended up convincing my dad to let me just because I wanted to help out my team. And about 15 minutes in, I get on a breakaway and I and I score a goal. And so the deal was I was going to get taken out if I scored a goal. So I just sit the bench. and But I, I looked over at my coaches and I was like, keep me in, keep me in. I want to keep going. And so I get on another breakaway just like five minutes later. And I got taken out by the goalie. Um, and I ended up tearing my ACL. Oh. And... Yeah, it it just was like my world shattered in seconds. Um I just remember it all happening and 
sitting on the ground and looking over at my dad, just holding my knee and knowing something bad had happened. Um, The crazy thing is I walked off and I was like running on the sideline, but then my dad told me to jump and I jumped and I landed and that's how I knew something was really off. Um, So, yep, came to find that I tore my ACL, was out for a year, um, rehabbing and doing all the normal stuff. Um, So now this takes me to my junior year and it's my fourth game back. I am playing in a club game, kind of deja vu, actually. I get on a breakaway again, get taken out and tear it again. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So pretty much back-to-back ACL tears. Um, Same ACL or different legs? Same ACL. Um, And, again, it was just – it's like I can remember it actually so vividly, both of my tears. Um, and that time in particular, I, I, I still had the ball. Like I, I, I had the ball and, and so I got up and I tried to shoot and I missed a wide open net because I, my leg just gave out on me. Um, and my dad carried me off the field and I've only seen my dad cry like two times in my life. And that was one of them. Um, and that's kind of how I knew it was serious. And so I was out for two years. It's my sophomore and junior year, rehabbed all of my senior year to come back to play at Pepperdine my freshman year. Um, and in that time, you know, I I went through so many different emotions and I would wake up crying and I'd go to sleep crying and I kind of fell into this pit of not really knowing if soccer was in the plan for me. And um, and I really felt like in that moment. I released just any control that I felt I wanted to have on the situation. And I was just like, God, you know, I'm giving it to you. And whatever may come is going to come. And I just need to face it head on. And I kind of debated, like, am I going to be good enough to play in college? Am I even going to play? Am I even going to be able to come back? And thankfully, I came back. Um and kind of crazy. I ended up starting and I think playing in every game my freshman year at Pepperdine as a forward. Um, and then sophomore year got transferred to outside back because I had some prior experience just that week at national camp, my freshman year, my coach Tim thought it'd be a good idea to try me out and outside back played there my sophomore junior year. And then they actually got thrown back up top my senior year. Hmm. Um, and but got drafted as an outside back, and so yeah, I think I think my ACL stories actually is it's a story not many people know. Um, I've shared it obviously with a good amount of my teammates, and I obviously have the scar on my knee to, to tell the story kind of in its own way. But mm. yeah, so I came back from two ACLs, played college. And I really flew under the radar in college because nobody knew who I was coming out of high school because I wasn't playing. Um, So when I got to Pepperdine, everyone was kind of like, who is this girl? (laughs) And and I continued to just fly under the radar at Pepperdine. And I was a part of some really, probably some of the best teams in the program history. We won back-to-back WCC championships um, and made some NCAA um appearances and 
yeah, I was blessed, so blessed to play for that program. It changed my life. It opened up so many doors for me. And I'm very thankful that soccer was in the plan for me in college because I would not have gone to Pepperdine if it wasn't for soccer. And so very thankful for that. Um, and I think it's important to add, too, that those two years of my life where I wasn't playing soccer were really like two and a half. I like I, I grew exponentially and I look back now and I am so incredibly thankful for the struggle because mm. I kind of I look at who I am now and the player I am now and just how much I appreciate the game because I to- I know what it's like to live without it and I just I think I see it in such a different way now um and it's it taught me so so much um and I ended up teaching myself how to play guitar in that time, which music has now also become a huge part of my life. Um, so, yeah, really, I look back and I see a lot of great things that have come from it. Uh, yeah. and That's awesome. I yeah. And no, I was just going to say, um, I'm not, I think you guys are maybe familiar with my draft story, but. Yeah, well, I, I did want to ask about that. I mean, you know, one of my questions is like, let's take it back to January 10th, 2019. You're selected um 23rd overall I think it's the Royals first pick like what what was it like for you going into that draft what was that moment like um can you just walk us through that experience yeah of course so it's crazy that it's been a year um since I was drafted um so kind of like I mentioned before I had just really flown under the radar nobody knew who I was I never was really recognized by our conference Um, And when you think of girls that get drafted, just because so few do, there kind of tends to be a stereotype. Like these girls have had national camp or national team experience. They are all Americans. They're first team all league. They're doing, you know, they're a part of really, really, um, you know, top, top programs. And I was just not that. (laughs) I am just, you know, I, like I said, never got recognized, which would never bothered me. So I, you know, it wasn't a big deal to me, but realistically thinking about getting drafted, I just, there was no way I was going to get drafted. Um, so I didn't put my name in until two days before because I'd actually gone over, I'd gone home over Christmas break and I'd bought a bunch of work clothes. I had an internship lined up the next semester. I had some job interviews. Um, I was a public relations major with a nonprofit concentration. And so I was like really excited to pursue that. And kind of had come to terms with the fact that I didn't think playing professional soccer was, again, going to be in the plans for me. Um, I think I doubted, like, am I good enough? People don't even know who I am, so how is anyone going to draft me? Because no one knows I exist. And my coach from Pepperdine kept calling me over Christmas break and texting me, and I kind of just ignored him a little bit because I didn't want to break his heart and telling him that I wasn't entering the draft, but he was calling me persistently, and so I had to pick up at some point, and I was like, Tim, what's up? And he was like, Michelle, I really think you need to put your name in the draft because Utah has not stopped calling me about you. And they, they keep saying, we don't see Michelle's name on the draft board. Is is she going to be entering the draft? Because um, we need to know. And and he kept, and I was like, Tim, they're probably covering their bases, right? Like they have all their picks they want to make. They're just, if, if one of them goes before their pick, then they, they need some backup plans. <laughs> and 
but and then he kept he kept calling me and I kept telling him no I'm not, I'm not gonna do it and then Monday night of the week of the draft he calls me again and I'm in class and I go outside and I'm like what's up Tim <laughs> and he's like Michelle Utah has not stopped has not stopped calling me all day you've got to put your name in and he said this he was like worst case you, you're not drafted and that's what you currently are right and then you go about your life the way you were planning to go about it but best case scenario you get drafted and you get a chance like fulfill the dreams that you've had since you were a little girl of playing pro soccer and I think that really did it for me actually and got off the phone called my dad and I was like dad what do I do and he said is there a part of you that is there just a part of you that wonders and I said of course there is of course that little girl inside me when I was seven years old looked up at my dad and said I'm gonna be a professional soccer player one day like that part of me is still there so I go home that night put together a not so great highlight video because I did it really last minute um and went into my coach's offices on Tuesday they watched me submit my form and then Thursday rolls around and I'm in between classes just watching it on my phone um go about to go into my voice class and Utah's first pick of the draft comes up and I just had this feeling in my heart I was like if I'm going to get drafted this is when it's going to be it's going to be now and there and then you know Amanda Duffy gets up there and she's like Utah Royals first pick of the 2019 draft is and right as they're about to say my name my coaches call me and I had kind of made this joke with them I was like you guys because they were at the conference they were at the draft and I said if you hear my name get called just FaceTime me and show me my picture up on the board just as a total joke (laughs) um (laughs) and lo and behold my picture was up on the draft board and my coaches FaceTimed me and they said, do you know what just happened? And I was like, did I just get drafted? <laughs> and they're like, yes, you did. And I just like immediate tears um, just because I, I really, it wasn't supposed to happen to me. Just everything that I'd gone through and my whole soccer career just was not supposed to happen to me. Um, but then I kind of figured out maybe it was supposed to happen to me. So yeah, that's, that's really my draft story. And then a month later I left for Utah. Nice. That is so cool to hear. Um, that is an insane story. That might be one of the craziest ones I've heard for sure. (laughs) Oh, it's, it is pretty crazy. I still think about it all the time. Just what a dream it was, especially in that moment of, you know, realizing I was about to have the I was about to have a chance you know you don't get a contract right when you get drafted but I was like you know what I'm gonna have a chance to go and and prove to almost prove to myself that I can do this and and yeah that's it nice well your first season saw you playing seven games six of which were starts 441 minutes um and an assist. And that was your very first game, right? That that assist? So that assist was my second game. That was second against game. Orlando, yes. Okay. Um, and you had been – you had had a fever right before that or something along those lines. Can you just walk us through, like, what those first few games as a professional were like for you? Yeah. Um, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I mean, just the fact that I – was like in in the 18 that dressed 
I was like beside myself. And then when Laura pulled me to the side, um, the week before, so it was, it was two weeks or maybe like a week and a half prior to the home opener. And she pulls me to the side and she's like, Mish, I want you to know that as of now, you will be starting our home opener in left back. And, and I was like, oh my goodness, did I hear that right? <laughs> I'm going to be starting the home opener. And she's like, yeah, um, you are. So I've talked to Rach because, you know, I, I ended up playing next to Rachel and um, she was like, just start. To, I wanted to tell you now so you could just start to prepare mentally, um, just do everything you have to do to be ready. And so that was amazing. And, um, and leading up to that home opener, I, I don't know if maybe it was just emotionally, mentally, physically, all of it combined, if it just kind of took a toll on me, but I ended up getting like deathly ill, (laughs) um, about, I kind of felt it coming on the Monday before and just didn't feel too great at practice the rest of the week. Um, and then the day before the home opener, I, was that just at home after practice and I took my temperature and I had like a 102 degree fever and I ended up shortly after that, like losing my voice. So I had a 102 degree fever (laughs) and I lost my voice and I um, was like just really, really struggling. And so I didn't go to practice. So this actually was Thursday. So I, or it was, it was two days before the home opener because I didn't end up going to practice the following day. And I was so bummed because pregame practice is is like, it's the most fun. It's it's so exciting. You're getting ready for the game. And, and I missed it. I wasn't there. I was just home in bed, really struggling. And I was drinking so much water, just talking to M, our trainer, like 24-7, trying to get my fever down. Because if I didn't get it down, I actually couldn't play. Um, so, so yeah, I ended up getting it down and it, I ended up playing in the game, which was like, I mean, I had only played really in front of parents my whole life and Pepperdine, we didn't get a bunch of people to our games. So playing in front of 20,000 people was unreal. I cannot even put it into words. And playing alongside Rachel Corsi and being on the same field as Becky Sauerbrunn and Kristen Press and Desi and Gunny and just everyone was like a dream come true. And then that moment when Kelly subbed in for me, I think that has to be one of the favorite, my favorite <laughs> moments of my life. <laughs> um, and it was like just so, so humbling to me that I was just considered at all to be playing. And But now yeah. Kelly O'Hara is your backup. Pretty cool. No, Kelly is not my. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Um, No, I just look at her as like, I'm like, just kind of like the understudy. Like I'm really learning from her and how she does things on and off the field. Um, So that's been incredible, but just playing, I mean, and then getting that assist in that second game, which I was still like very, very sick. I, I was on multiple antibiotics and I was on an inhaler, and I still didn't have my voice. So all it's like I couldn't even feel nervous because I I couldn't, or maybe I was so nervous, but 
I couldn't even talk. Like I couldn't even talk on the field and talking on the field is so important. (laughs) And so I just remember having to go out every game and just having to lay it all out there, all the energy that I did have. um, It's just so hard to like sum it up into words, the experience, but it was truly, truly amazing. Um, And I'm so, so fortunate that I got minutes and that I got to play Um, because for rookies that doesn't always happen. And so I have looked back, especially having been home now and just reflecting on the past season. um, I'm just like overcome with thankfulness because I got a chance to play and, you know, have that experience and play with those girls. And it was unreal, unreal. And Kristen Press made me look very good on that assist. So I almost feel like I can't take it because she did all the work. But yeah, pretty, pretty cool. And I missed my graduation for that game. So I was it worth it. It was because I I remember (laughs) thinking back like, hey, if I wasn't there, there's a chance we might not have gotten that goal. So I'm glad I missed it for us to get the win. Yeah. Well, thanks. I mean, those three points were definitely important. So yeah, uh, yeah. Way to take one for the team. <laughs> of course, um, any anytime. Yeah. So you've had a full season as a professional. What were the biggest surprises to you? You know, as being a, a professional soccer player. The biggest surprises. You know what was a huge, a huge surprise actually, um, and I think I only thought that it would be different because I just feel like some of these girls have had so many years on of experience. But the girls were so incredibly welcoming, um, mm. which I don't know if it's just our team and and the people we have on it. But from day one, I remember feeling a part of the team. And before I even got a contract and I mean, multiple girls, Rach definitely was huge for me. And so is Kelly. Um, and just, I feel like mentoring me and helping me, especially navigate those first few months where I was playing and just having to kind of figure all that out. But I was just overcome with, again, just like such gratitude for, they didn't have to give me the time of day. Really, um, as a rookie, someone that they didn't even know would be around for that long, um, but they just went out of their way to make me feel so welcomed and so a part of the team, and they made me feel important, which was huge for my confidence. Um, so I really think maybe the play that I that I had shown leading up to the home opener and where they had kind of chosen to play me and outside back has a huge, I mean, a huge part of that is because of how the girls had treated me and they made me feel like worthy to be on that field with them. So that was a huge surprise to me. And and I wasn't expecting them to be mean at all, but I just wasn't expecting them to like want to be my friend, I guess. Yeah. Um, That's really cool to hear because you, you never know what it's like in a professional sports team because from the outside, it might look like, Oh, everyone's best friends, but it's, yeah, it's really nice to hear like there actually is a sense of friendship and camaraderie off the field uh, amongst you guys. Oh yeah. Oh, hands down. Um leading up to the home opener, Kelly and I Kelly took me to get my nails done and we just talked about what to expect and she just kind of wanted to know my story and again, another thing where I was just like Kelly O'Hare, like you don't have to she didn't have to do that at all. But she wanted to help me um and help prepare me. 
So that was a huge surprise. Just, yeah. just how, how sweet everyone was. Um, yeah, I, I'd say that was, that was one of the biggest surprises. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite, like, are there any moments that jump out either on the field or off the field as, as favorite, favorite moments from that first season? Oh my gosh. Um, I think one of my favorite, one of my favorite things when I was playing and anytime we scored that moment of running up to get into that huddle of teammates, just congratulating whoever scored. And just like, as you're running, I just remember having the biggest smile on my face running to like Amy or to Kristen and just that moment of being like so united in a goal that we all had that we were achieving together. It was unreal, like unreal. And so all those moments and obviously like when Kelly subbed in for me, I was huge. Um, And there are so many moments off the field that I look at like just, it's so hard. I, I can't pick just one because they're all great. But just all the time that I spent getting to know my teammates and getting to see them for like who they are outside of soccer, because we have some like absolutely incredible women on our team um, that are so talented and just incredible human beings where you don't necessarily get to see that side of them because you just see them playing. Right. And so to get to see that other side of them, I think those are my favorite moments where like the getting coffee and going to get nails done and just hanging out in our apartments listening to music and chatting just all of that Mm. you know it it adds up and it just it just adds to the whole experience overall so those were definitely I feel like those are my favorite moments yeah yeah that's those seem like really incredible moments Mm -hmm. um and you kind of just spoke to this but um the Royals just have so many fantastic U.S. players like both current and former, and Kristen Press, Amy Rodriguez, Kelly O'Hara, Becky Sauerbrunn, um, Nicole Barnhart. Like, I assume these are players that you've watched for a long time. Um, like, what's that transition been like from going from someone who would watch them, maybe look up to them, to now you're, you know, their peer and you're playing alongside them on the on the on the field? Yeah, that was. That's probably one of the most amazing parts of this whole experience. Um, Realizing that now these girls who I had watched since I was a little girl, I mean, these were now my teammates. Like I was going to be passing the ball to them (laughs) to score. Mm. Like it just was hard to wrap my mind around it because they they have paved the way uh, when it comes to just – women's soccer and have given really a voice to the sport itself and being a voice for the women playing. And I mean, I watched, I remember watching Kelly when she was at Stanford being from Mm. the Bay area. Um, and yeah, I just, just to be able to learn from, from these girls and how, like I, I had mentioned earlier on, not just on the field, but off the field, because so much of who you are as a professional is also how you conduct yourself off the field and how you treat people and just who you are. So yeah, just an incredible 
time of getting, like I said, getting to know these people too for who they are and not just the incredible soccer players they are, but the incredible women they are, like the incredible mom Amy is and just things like that that you don't necessarily see, but you have the pleasure of getting to have those relationships and see to the, you know, to like kind of the more closed off parts of their life that they try to keep private and to be let into that is just, it's really humbling and so, Mm -hmm. so cool. Um, So is there anyone on the team who comes to mind as they've really helped you develop? You've already mentioned um, both Kelly and uh, Rachel, but um, is there anyone who's like, yeah, kind of taking you under their wing and kind of help inspire you and that you look to emulate? Yeah, I, Rach really, really helped me, especially at the beginning when we were Mm -hmm. playing with each other, we would watch film together for a very long time. I'd text her all the time. I'd be like, Rach, can we please watch film? I need you to help me. (laughs) And she was always so willing. She spent hours with me. Um, Mm. And we, and I remember kind of telling her like, for me, I'm the type of person that I love to know who I'm playing with. It helps me play better with them. So leading up to that home opener and even after, like we'd go get dinner and hang out and we would do puzzles and all that stuff, just like being together and getting to know each other. So once it came to the field, we were just friends playing together. Um, And I'm so thankful. I look up to her, I think more than she knows. Um, Mm -hmm. And she, yeah, she holds a very special place in my heart for sure. And just how much she helped me, especially at the, the beginning of my my season. And of course, Kelly, I mean, what better outside back to learn from? Because I still feel like I'm learning so, so much. Um, Cause like I said, I've really only had those two years of college of experience playing outside back. So I still feel like I'm learning a lot and she is just, I want to be able to play like her. And I feel like if I continue to, to work really hard and continue to have that growth mindset and an attitude of never being satisfied, but always wanting to keep pushing. I I think, you know, because I have her to learn from and to learn from her every day, I, you know, I think I can just potentially, you know, kind of reach a, you know, a point in my career where I can be successful like she is. And I love that. And I would have her to thank. 100%. 100%. I already have her to thank for so much. So those two girls definitely for me are, were huge. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, just an aside, do you always play in the left or do you, are you comfortable on the right as well? So I really only have experience on the left. Um, I have played on the left side of the field my whole life. Um, I played right back actually for Utah against Washington Um, and that was my first time ever playing back there Hmm. on the right. So I like definitely feel comfortable playing on the right, but I, I've just played on the left my whole life because I can use my left foot. So, and I actually sometimes prefer my left foot. So, so yeah, it's kind of why I've been over there, I think for the majority of my life. Okay. Um, well, this off season has certainly been a busy one for the team. Um, 
a lot of a lot of faces going out. Laura Harvey, Becca Morris was was waived. Uh, Katie Stengel traded to Houston. Laddish retired. Um, Tim Rack retired. Um, but then also some new faces coming in. A couple of players coming over from um, from Europe, and then the uh, the three signings from uh, the twenty twenty college draft. Um, but you haven't been with the team yet. Like, what has that experience been like? from afar from kind of having to watch it all happen um sort of like the the probably sadder moments of seeing a coach and some teammates leave to you know excitement around maybe some new faces in the mix yeah i think this has definitely been one of the hardest parts of this job is just seeing people leave that you really care about and that you've grown to have relationships with um and it's you know, in college, a lot of times you're playing with a lot of the same girls and yeah, new girls come in and some girls leave, but like the majority of the team stays the same. And I feel like at the pro level, it can be drastic changes to where the team looks very different mm-hmm. from, from one season to the next. And, and I didn't really grasp that. I don't think until this off season, cause there wasn't too much that happened, uh, during season, but this off season with girls retiring and, and with Laura leaving and, um, you know, trades, it, it's just, it's so sad to me because I'm going to miss all these girls and it's so hard that you, to see them go. Like, and, and I don't know if I realize the extent of it yet because I haven't been back with the team and they haven't been there, but, but yeah, it's just very, very sad for those girls to be gone. I'm going to miss them a lot. And yeah, but, but the exciting part about bringing new girls in especially like those three draft picks I mean I was in their position last year so I I like I can't wait to help them and just to be there for them um come alongside of them come alongside of them and just help them in any way that I can and I think our team is I think the culture of a team is so important and the heartbeat of the team is so important and I think that you know, with new girls coming in, there's a chance that like that culture can just be strengthened. And I really believe like Scott and the coaching staff did a really great job with the draft picks and um, they're bringing in really quality people with the girls that they're bringing in um, from abroad and, and some of the trades and everything. And so I'm really looking forward to getting back and meeting all of the new girls and getting back with the the girls who were on the team last year so yeah but then also you know with Laura leaving that's a huge 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 change and it's sad I just I thank her so much because she is a huge reason as to why I am in the position that I am today and talking to you guys I mean this wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for Laura and she gave me a chance and she believed in me and she's gonna be so great um, with the U20s and I can't wait to see what she does with them but it's definitely bittersweet because now I feel like it's you know it's it's really going to change and so um, without her being there so yeah it's 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 going to be interesting I'm I'm very curious to see what it's going to be like this season but I, I am I am also very excited just to get back with the girls and get going again yeah, I, I think Laura leaving is probably the biggest change that's happened to the team. 
Mm-hmm. Maybe bringing in press, but um, yeah, it's funny. Uh, you know, we're recording this on Thursday night. They're announcing the new coach Friday. So before anyone hears this, everyone will know who the coach is. So um, it'll be fun to hear people's opinions when that comes out. But um, looking forward to 2020, um, do you have any specific goals, any any hopes that you're like anything you're hoping to accomplish? Like, I don't know if you're a goal setter. Do you have benchmarks of like, okay, I want to play 800 minutes or anything like that? I, um, you know what? I think my mentality and my mindset has actually grown a lot this off season and just my expectations for this upcoming season, I feel like are, are really healthy. Like what I, the goals I have my for myself are, are good goals. Um, and I think ultimately I just want to help this team and I want to make an impact on the field and off the field. Um, and I am like itching to play. I really am. I got a taste again at the end of last season and it reminded me of how hard you have to work to get to a place where you can compete for 90 minutes and be solid throughout. And, and it encouraged me for this off season to work harder than I ever have before in my entire life to get to a place fitness wise, mentality wise, um, where I can go into this next season and just be all in and be as prepared as possible. So I feel like I've done everything that I can this off season to set myself up well to have a successful 2020 season that, you know, if some of the goals that, that I have, I don't reach. I mean, again, like it is about the team and yes, I want to do well personally. Um, and like I said, I, I do think I've been preparing myself really well. So I'm hoping if I get a chance, I can just run with it and, you know, prove myself. Yeah, that those are good goals to have. Um, so stepping away from, you know, maybe your experience as a player, um, do you have any soccer teams that you follow or support? Any like any players that you idolize? Um, I I mean I love I I mean I idolize a lot of my teammates because those are the girls that I've looked yeah. up to for so long, which I'm very fortunate to be able to say. Um. I also love watching Andy Robertson, who plays for Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a good, there. he's a good person to follow. Yeah, he is kind of good at what he does. <laughs> just kind of good, and Megan I think he's like, a, a new but diehard. I'm a, I'm a Liverpool big supporter. Liverpool supporter. Ooh, gr- honestly, great team. I, I, my college coach is a huge fan of like Tim Ward and Liverpool are like best <laughs> friends, and so. All all my four years, we watched clips of Liverpool. <laughs> so I kind of just started to like fall in love with the team. And um, and it's so funny because Rach, Rachel Corsi actually knows him. <laughs> and when she, she like had a picture with him or something. And I remember saying, please tell him I say hi. Because <laughs> like that is incredible that you know him. He's so, such a great player. And he has such a cool story too. Kind of a story of like, you know, just rising up from ashes and and then running with the chance that he got and look at him now so I look at him for sure as someone that I'd you know 
love to aspire to be like. Um, but yeah, I, I'd say that's, and growing up all my life, it was Mia Hamm. Um, I think I was Mia Hamm for Halloween, like years in a row, years in a row. My jersey, I used to wear her jersey 24-7, and it definitely had stains on it, but I wore it anyways. And so, yeah, and I still look at her as, like, for sure, someone that I would love to be like as well. Yeah, those are good answers. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So one of our favorite questions to ask is, if you were to get into a bar fight, um, which sounds like something you probably do all the time, um, What one teammate would you choose to have your back in that fight? Oh my goodness. Uh, I think I'd say Kelly. Mm. So many people say Kelly. Everyone says Kelly. Like everybody thinks Kelly would just have their back. That's so I funny. think, and you know, but I think she really would. Like, I think she would have anyone's, like any of our teammates' backs. If any one of us got into a bar fight, hopefully we don't, but definitely I'd pick Kelly. And I, I think Gunny would be a good one as well. Yeah, that's that's amazing that I think it's got, Megan, what would you say? Like at least 60% of people say. Oh, yeah. I think only a handful have said it. Like I'm trying to. There was a low in there. Yeah, low got in there once. And I think we've had Gunny as an answer before as well. But other than that, almost everybody has said Kelly. So Kelly must just really be like a stronghold friend that is just willing to do whatever you need for like. That is hilarious. Regular answer. It's it's something about Kelly O'Hara, man. She just has your back. She does. She does. (laughs) Well, um, we're going to move into listener questions. Megan, do you want to kick those off? Yeah, for sure. Um, we got the first one is from Stockton. He asked what her what your favorite thing about season one was, and then some favorite places in Utah to explore. Ooh. Um. All right. Well, favorite thing about this past season, I think I, I've definitely touched on it multiple times, but for sure, my team, like just my teammates. I mean, getting to know my teammates and getting to play with them and just getting to like do life with them has been incredible and getting to play soccer as my career. Um, it's just been a dream. So yes, definitely, definitely my teammates for sure. Um, and places to explore. So I love coffee and our team is actually like huge coffee drinkers. So I really like blue copper coffee. Um, it's, I that's yeah, one of my go-tos as well. Oh, it's so good. It's so I'm good. And Utah, and I've never tried that one. <gasps> oh, my goodness. To. That's like a must. That is a must. Really oh, good coffee. Yeah. Okay. And then Honeysuckle Coffee Shop, which is like right down the street from the stadium. I've never also, been there. you got to go. And the owner. La Barba. Oh, okay. So I don't know if you've had La Barba, but um, yeah, I like what they're doing too. Yes, and the owner, I cannot remember his name, but he is so, so nice. I think him and his wife run it, hmm. and they're great. So love that place as well. Um, there's also – so I, I love music, and I really enjoy going to record shops. There is this little record shop that is next to Creek Tea, which is another place I love to go to. And I the name of Randy's- it is – Yes, I was going to say the name is slipping my mind, but that's it. 
Um, that is such a cool little spot. I've gone into it a few times. Um, I have a record player, and so I always love to go check out records, and um, that place is also very cute. And it's, it, it seems like it's probably been there for a while. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's a, maybe a little historical part of the downtown. Um, so yeah, those are, those are a few places and goodly cookies obviously is great. Um, so yeah, I'd say those are some places that I will go to and that I definitely recommend to check out. Nice. Um, our next question comes from Woso Wo or at Royals and Jazz on Twitter. Um, what did you learn most from your teammates last year? Ooh, what did I learn most from my teammates? Um, yeah, I think like I'd mentioned, just there is obviously we're like professional athletes and being professional, it's not just what you do when you're, when people are looking at you and when there's a camera on you, but it's being professional in, in how you treat your body and in how you recover. And, in also like, there's a way of being professional and caring and how you treat people around you. And I've learned so much of that from watching my teammates and seeing how they, you know, talk to fans and seeing how they, um, just how they do things. And I think something else that I've, I've really learned over this last season, I can tend to be really overly critical of myself and especially when it comes to how I play. And I can tend to focus on all of the negatives. Like you show me a clip of myself and I would probably think it's negative before I think it's good. So I think I've learned that if I really want to make it, I have to focus as well on the good things that I do. Um, just to remind myself like that I am moving in the right direction, but to also know that I have so much to learn and so many ways that I can grow as a player and as a person, but that's been huge. Um, and something I'm really glad that I feel like I was able to take away from this past season because it's even changed how I've done things this off season. So yeah, that's been, that was something that I'm really thankful for that I got, got to learn. Nice. Um, yeah, they asked a second question, and um, what are you looking to improve on from last year to this? Hmm. Yeah, I like I said, I could give you like a very long list, but I think the way the outside back position is played, especially how we are asked to play it for Utah, you are like just as responsible um, to get into the attack as you are to defend. So in order to be able to do that really well, you have to be so fit, so, so fit. And in college, fitness is so different than it is in the pro game. And I think I had trained leading up to going to Utah as if I was training for college because that's all I had known. Um, and once I really saw what it takes, it is like your your lifestyle and and it's in everything that you do, which will prepare you for how you play. And honestly feeds into like your fitness and that's how you eat. That is how much you drink, how well you hydrate, how much sleep you're getting. So like I said, like I've, I've been really working on this in the off season so that it's a smooth transition going back. And I've already been able to see the changes that 
that it's made for me and my fitness overall, which has been really cool. So that's a huge, that was a huge goal of mine going back and being like really, really fit and really strong. And so, so yeah, that, that was definitely a, a big goal for me and something I'd like to, um, kind of showcase in the 2020 season. That's interesting. The like difference. I wouldn't have never like to all of us. Fitness is just fitness. That's an interesting thing to think about. Um, and then we just have kind of a compliment from one of our last um, listeners. Her name's Lisa, and she didn't. She says she doesn't have a question, but she wants to see more of you play next year. And if not, she's going to ask for a manager. So we have a threat if you don't see more minutes. So we're going to have to make sure that happens next year. Oh my goodness! Well, I will try my best. Um, and. Yes, I I would love to play. I would really love to play. So, I hope I I hope I get a chance. <laughs> awesome. Well, Mish, thank you so much for coming on. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you. Um, yeah, you're welcome back anytime. Oh, thank you, thank you for having me. Like I said, I've never done anything like this before, so it's just an honor. And things like this continue just to humble me and make me so thankful. So thank you for having me and for wanting me on. Um, I'm really, I was so excited to do it. Awesome. Well, um, yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Um, and we'll be back, uh, with another episode soon.